0: I bet the cleaning lady thinks it was like a 12 year old living. Like <laughs> Just boxes, Taco Bell, pizza boxes, chocolate cake plates, candy wrappers. What's wrong with this person? <laughs> oh no! I always think that I'm like I'm probably being judged hard by the cleaning people. Humans are judgmental creatures. Yeah, which is why. Gay people can't exist in Afghanistan.
1: Nice segue. A segue.
0: I mean, how else can we segue into this film? I think this is the first, one of the first documentaries we've ever done a podcast on here. We've done one or two, like, sort of documentaries, like the Beatles episode, but I think this is one of the first, like, straight documentaries we've ever done, which is ironic considering we work sort of at a documentary place.
1: A straight documentary?
0: Yeah. It's a documentary done in a specific style.
1: Most of the documentaries I've seen are nature documentaries, so I think it skews my idea of what a documentary can be.
0: Uh, yeah, you probably haven't <laughs> been as well-versed in documentaries as some people have. You watch a lot of docs? I've watched a lot of docs, yeah. I think documentary has the opportunity to create even a more impactful, resonant feeling, apart from narrative, because documentary, they're essentially narrative structure, but you know, more so about documenting an actual event, and not really changing the contents of what you're watching. So you're you're just editing the pieces together in a way. It's interesting, but like stylistic documentary, like a great example would be like Chef's Table on Netflix. Mm. Have you ever watched that? No. That's considered documentary, but it you know plays like narrative. And so this here is the same thing. We're talking about a movie today, documentary that is. Not nominated for Best Picture, but is nominated for Best Feature Length Documentary and Best Animated Feature.
1: And Best International Feature. Oh,
0: and Best International Feature. So it's nominated for all three of those, which is crazy because most documentaries are also not nominated for International Feature or Animated Feature, which is so weird. But we're talking about a movie called Flea. Flea. Not Mm F-L-E-A, like the insect. It's f l e e or the musician as if <laughs> one who has fled
1: flee as in the verb
0: the verb, not the noun, yeah, Gabe, yeah, Steven, you were with me when you watched this we watched it together, we ate burritos together, our burritos touched in the bag while we watched <laughs> this
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, we did it was uh it was a nice quiet night, you know, the kids were asleep. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know if this had a wide release theatrically. So we caught it on Hulu, right?
0: Yeah. It was streaming somewhere. HBO or Hulu. I think it was Hulu. We watched it on Hulu, but I have my HBO account attached to my Hulu account, so yeah. it's really hard to tell for me sometimes. But yeah, we saw the trailer for this multiple times yeah, when were we were attending the theater. Playing it all over. Months ago. And it's distributed by Neon. That's probably why we saw it. Yeah. Another Neon picture. A lot of Neon love right now. Yeah. Neon... You just listened to our worst person in the world episode, and that was also a neon film.
1: Yeah. They're kind of like the foreign version of A24. They bring a lot of pictures to us from across the world. I think uh, Parasite was neon, right? Yeah. So what is Flea? We already said it's a documentary. What's it about?
0: It is about uh, essentially a refugee story. Hmm. Afghanistan in the late 80s, early 90s, there's this young boy who... Likes to wear his sister's dresses and, uh, you know, coming of age. And then when the Mujahideen took over Afghanistan in 1991, it pushed a lot of people out at that time who were living there in Afghanistan, including this guy and his family. His name was Amin, and they fled to Russia where they took safety in, I think, his older brother's apartment, if I'm remembering that correctly. An older brother who had fled a lot earlier in his life, who was a lot older. And they kind of bunkered there with him and his one brother and two sisters and his mom for a while. And then, then the story sort of became not just about refugee, but also about trafficking and human trafficking and how these refugees were trafficked to try to get to a safer place than Russia, because Russia was also super corrupt at the time. May still be. They're trying to get to Sweden ultimately, right? Yeah. Sweden was one of the locations, but his sisters got trafficked and it was this kind of really horrible... Incident where they were put in a crate and shipped for weeks without anything to be humane to help them not have a traumatic experience. Then they saved up more money, and then him and his brother I forget how they settled it, but one of them decided to get shipped as well via a more expensive trafficking guy.
1: Well, yeah, because the boys and the mother went next, but they had to they got captured and sent back after almost drowning at sea. Right. And then... And, and then
0: and then this guy came into play.
1: Yeah. They said they found a more expensive, higher quality human trafficker if such a thing exists. Yeah. Uh, so that, that wouldn't happen again. And so Amin went alone.
0: Yep. And he took on an identity of being a Russian boy, given a fake Russian passport. And he ended up in... Copenhagen. So he ends up in Denmark instead of Sweden for some reason. They didn't really explain why. The trafficker
1: just... That was uh, what he could get.
0: Yeah. That's as far as he could take him. And he was told never to tell anyone about his family was alive uh, and essentially where he came from or what happened. So mm-hmm. even when you begin this story, he tells you as the audience, the documentarian who was interviewing him, that his whole family was dead and they died in the takeover in 1991. His mom and his, all his brothers and his sister, all dead. And then later kind of changes the story, which becomes like the the revisionist narrative to the rest of the story, and you find out his family's still alive. They're all just kind of in different places, and and then yeah, so I think he gets reacquainted with them at a certain point, at least. Yeah, so after a
1: speak. few years, he's able to meet up with them. Yeah, but I think he continues to live in Denmark. Yeah, or he he travels around.
0: It's a little bit unclear, <laughs> but yeah, then he re—I mean, he kind of becomes a man and realizes that he is gay and tells his family and his brother it was super supportive which is cool because it's not really a welcomed to be a gay man in afghanistan it's kind of a taboo natured thing they
1: say they they don't exist over there right yeah (laughs) they're like well just because they're shut down like or killed yeah you could be killed for being homosexual so
0: yeah so but you know there's a little bit of freedom his brother like takes him to a gay bar and drops him off kind of cool and then, uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of where the story ends up, wraps up. He lives his life. He finds somebody and that narrative is sort of interwoven throughout the other narrative of him recounting yeah, what happened and, and him fleeing Afghanistan. But yeah, and the, this whole thing is told through animation. Mm-hmm. This whole story is told through animation and not live action recreation. It's there are a couple of live action shots, mainly like aerials or setting shots, some archival footage, yeah, that are thrown in. But it's mainly animation, so th- that's why it's also up for best animated feature because it's an animated feature as well as a, a feature long doc, and it's also international because it wasn't made by Danish. a Danish Danish filmmaker or documentarian. So interviewing him the whole time. And and he seems like to have also gone on to get an education and go to college and stuff because yeah. he was I talking mean, about going to... Yeah.
1: He became pretty successful, I think. Yeah. Whatever it was he was doing, it's still <laughs> also unclear. Yeah. But yeah, the story was really interesting how it was framed from his current perspective. He's in his 30s or 40s and he's trying to unpack mm-hmm. this trauma that he said he had never really gone into at any point in his yeah, life. Yeah, he
0: said the one time he tried was to an ex-boyfriend, and his ex-boyfriend, like, threatened to, like, turn him in or something. Yeah. Who's, you know, seemed like a psychopath, which is why he never... (laughs) Opened up? Yeah, opened up to anyone ever again. Yeah, until this documentary. It's people people hurting people, man. That's the story, right? Yeah. It's the narrative. That's how I feel every time we record together.
1: People hurting people?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But who's hurting who? You.
1: Yeah, but so... We see, I mean, like in his early years and then as a teenager and it jumps around different points of his life and it was honestly really touching and very sad, pretty heartbreaking at points.
0: Yeah. But there were sort of recreations because they had younger versions of himself, basically voice acted by younger kids or younger actors uh, who are voicing sort of the, um, the young, version of himself and through the animation. And that was interesting. But I think because of the animation, they were able to show you things, uh, scenarios in which he was describing in ways that you wouldn't have got otherwise in like a normal documentary. That's just solely using archival footage, you know?
1: Yeah. But a lot of it was focused on human trafficking, which I don't know a whole lot about, but even when you start to think about human trafficking in any country of the world, it takes on a whole new shape when you start to like see it, even even in an animated way. Sure. Like how just absolutely intense these situations are, the circumstances like being locked, like you said, in a crate shipping across the sea with dozens of other people for days at a time, no food, no water, you, you know, use the bathroom in a bucket or something or, or not even that. Just
0: pick a corner.
1: Yeah, it was, it's insane. Like, it's crazy. And these things still happen all over the world, you know, especially in those regions that are constantly at war with each other. Like, we were...
0: It happens here, too. Yeah, it happens here, too. Yeah, more for uh, sex trafficking, which is a whole similar but other thing, and also really heavy on a lot of people are fighting against that here. It's so gnarly that that's a thing, you know, especially yeah. even in America. Mm-hmm. And even the
1: political backdrop of the film I thought was really interesting because a lot of people probably, at least Generation Z, probably aren't familiar with how Afghanistan is literally, I mean, (laughs) the Middle East has pretty much always been at war, but particularly the Soviet history there and how they were like entrenched in their own Vietnam before we got, you know, involved in war in the Middle East, uh, in that area. And it's just crazy to think that we, like the American government, supplied... (laughs) all these weapons that eventually turned on themselves. It's just this crazy cyclical system of destruction. Yeah. And it would, it just, I was thinking the whole time watching it, like I can't imagine being born, you know, in Afghanistan or or a place like that where it's just, the odds are completely against you. Like, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a miracle that he got out. Yeah. And is here as a, you know, he's healing now in his thirties, in his thirties and forties, but he's like a good, he's a good person.
0: Yeah. He's like, (laughs) I mean, I think the one thing that I said to you while we're watching it, it was I said something like, "It's not even a life that he has had up to that point. Like he he has earlier memories from up to when he was like six or seven or something, and then everything after that was just trying to stay alive." You know, I think he said he spent like a year and a half just watching TV daily, stuck in that apartment in Spanish soaps. Yeah was like the highlight of his family's uh, day, you know, so yeah. crazy. It's like, it's hardly even a life at all for a person, let alone a child to be ripped away and at, at such a young age and experiencing so much trauma. It it truly is a very sad thing.
1: I try not to take for granted what we have here, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to see that stuff and just to realize as often as you can, like, you know, America has so many problems, but ultimately it is still like the best, place to, to live mm-hmm. i mean as far as like the scale of countries go like mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't compare to the middle east where it's just war and bloodshed all the time
0: yeah yeah the the director and the, the i think the person who made this his name is jonas or i'm assuming jonas or jonas poher rasmussen rasmussen he's the guy from denmark i think that was uh, the documentarian. And I'm curious what you thought about how he interviewed him, kind of having him lay down on yeah. that carpet and doing like the top down shooting. I thought that was like a really interesting.
1: That was, I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's Sounds like therapy. That was another interesting point of the framing of the whole thing, because the doc like flee the movie would show you the moments of the, the recording sessions. Like when Amin would sit up and they'd like, you know, he would say something like, well, off the record, here's what I'm thinking, you know, to a greater extent. And they would just, they would continue to show that in the documentary. And his relationship with Jonas, or Jonas, the director, it seemed like it was like, it was very warm and friendly and therapeutic for Amin to have this kind of outlet, to have this relationship. And I think they had some history, too, going to school. But I, th- I thought it was really cool, the way they... You know, he would he would be laying down and he'd be, you know, talking about his past and then he'd sit up and they'd have a different part of the discussion and then they'd like go around the house and Jonas would follow, Amin, just doing daily stuff or, you know, unboxing old photographs, all kinds of stuff. It was really cool having this little window into his life. And he even followed him around too. He, he traveled with him to wherever his postdoc was. I think it yeah. was back in America. But, mm-hmm. and he got to continue those interviews, continue making the documentary, yeah. oh, like in different countries, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it was, was really cool. I think from what I could tell, cause I've, like I said, we, we do work in documentary style and have, I've seen how some documentaries are made are very different from other documentaries. But sometimes when the documentarian is trying to capture like the most raw version of that story They'll they'll try to make the subject feel as safe as possible or like be, feel like they're in a a therapeutic state to where they can recall and recite this stuff for the sake of trying to capture the most raw and emotional material, which is sort of an art in of itself, being a a documentarian and trying to, it's almost like being a director of an actor, but the person's not an actor, they're a real person. And you're trying to (laughs) get you know, you're trying to pull out like a certain emotion or a certain feeling by creating a safe space for them to communicate their story. And, you know, yeah, really interesting. And
1: he gave him space and time. I think that mm-hmm. the time span of the documentary was several months because at one point Amin said, I need, you know, time to really think about that and to be comfortable with thinking yeah. about that. Yeah, sure.
0: Sure. Which is another thing. Cause like some documentaries are shot over years. So the last mm-hmm. time I was looking at like Jonas had a documentary it was in 2015. Now this was 2021. So it was like probably long, I would estimate longer than six years of working on it, but yeah, at least six years of going through this and getting material and editing and putting things together, animating everything, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I wonder how he started doing it. If he just got back in touch with, I Amin, mean, you know, and was like, Hey, I'd love to tell your story because it's a powerful story. But he wouldn't have even really known the scope of it. I'm curious how that ball got rolling. Yeah, powerful film. And I'm really glad we watched it. I know it wasn't one of the biggest things on our radar, but with all the attention it was getting, we definitely felt we should see what the hubbub.
0: Yeah, and you nor I could really speak to whether or not this is a shoo-in to win Best Documentary because we haven't seen anything else that it's up against. But Are those does- their nominees? Uh, the other nominees are Ascension, Attica, Summer of Soul, and a film called Riding with Fire. But yeah, like we're not people to speak on that, but we can say that, you know, it was good and it is worth your time if you, you know, want to learn more about what it would be like to be a refugee and coming out of Afghanistan at that time. Um... Or more, or just learn more about the story that we tried to recap and tell you here. Uh, but it, it going up for Best International Feature, I don't think it will win. I, I do think The Worst Person in the World is a better film. But for that category... It's up against Drive My Car there, too. Yeah, it's also up against Drive My Car, which is also a really good film. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's up against the episode that we'll be doing next, which it will be our final episode for this run of Oscar films Encanto for a feature length animated film and Encanto you know is a, one of the best Disney movies they've done in at least a decade if not longer in my opinion and uh you said it was your favorite didn't you yeah it's crazy
1: and it's topping the charts for music
0: yeah so i i think they might not win that either but i do think it's Highest chances of winning something would be in feature length documentary. Yeah.
1: It was crazy how they jumped from there to Moscow, all over Eastern Europe to America.
0: It's crazy that like the Russian police are so corrupt that they could pay them off. I think it happened like three times in the film to where they like didn't.
1: Instead of deporting, uh, you will just deporting, take your lunch yeah. money.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: It, it so is. Crazy. There's some, some funny irony there. I hope he's well now. I mean, he seems to be because I know it seemed like he was in a bit of a bit of state of flux when we left him in terms of his career and his relationship with Casper. They were like he was trying to sort some stuff out and he was, they were trying to get a home.
0: I think that ended up by saying they ended up staying together and getting
1: married. And oh, stuff. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would be a few years in the making. Well, I'm happy for him. He deserves happiness. <laughs>
0: Everybody deserves a chance. But if there are any people that deserve happiness in this world, it's people who have suffered greatly. And I think he definitely falls in that category. Not even just refugees, but people who have suffered like severe trauma.
1: And a lot of people have. (laughs) I mean,
0: even right now, there's literally a war. I mean, if you talk to some people from Europe, they claim that it is World War Three already. So. Yeah. Happy Oscars week, everybody. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hug a loved one. Go watch the Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Yeah let's board.
0: i hope all of your burritos can touch this week
1: <laughs> such a weird thing to say <laughs> i hope your burritos
0: touch this week as gabe's and mine have touched it's good i like the burritos base. habanero habanero sauce
1: that whole pint of ice cream in one sitting the, the next day you really need to get a control on this game. I know. I'm losing it. I'm slipping. <laughs>